0: What's up, motherfuckers? I'm Jess, and this is the Traumatized Motherfucker Podcast. For anyone who finds that offensive, it's no problem. You can go find some flowery mental health bullshit somewhere else. For anyone who's done trying to look on the bright side, playing the victim, being bogged down with self-hate, avoiding overwhelming emotions, and living a shit life that's been defined by your early life experiences, Oh, and enjoys a little recreational swearing, Mm, fuck yeah, you might be in the right place. This is a podcast that's based on a blog that is intertwined with an online support community, all of which are aimed at finding self-understanding and empowerment in light of complex trauma, aka pervasive childhood trauma or generationally traumatized families of origin if you're not up on the window. If you are ready to lean into the discomfort and stop living a life that's been defined by fear and avoidance, well, congratulations. You might be a traumatized mother Hey, my name is Jess, and I guess I'm just figuring out how podcasting works, as I also figure out how my brain works. I'm a former cancer researcher and brewery logistics manager, artist, relationship ruiner, self-abandoner, inner defeatist, autoimmune nightmare, current psychology student, health roach, and accidental podcaster slash community leader. But um, I am not a professional. I cannot therapize you. I am not a life coach, and anything that isn't explicitly stated research is coming from experiential learning, personal experimentation, and my busy brain box making sense of the senseless. I mean, having a whole support community where I can pull other traumatized motherfuckers is a pretty good resource too. But I need to say, at the end of the day, enter at your own trauma-brained risk. This is a feel-good show in the sense that it will reframe the most painful aspects of your life. But that requires feeling the pain to mend the wound. You know what I'm saying? We cover hard topics. Difficult talks will happen. So don't overlap them with your darkest days. And, um... Not to be a total asshole, but I definitely am a total asshole. So don't mistake this half bitter, half hopeful old punk for someone who's able to help people who don't want to help themselves. Traumatized motherfuckers and all associated parties, that's me, are not responsible for your trauma recovery. All advice or education is accepted at the listener's personal discretion. Consult your therapist. Your triggers, progress, and emotions are not managed by the show, nor is it meant to be a replacement for any kind of trauma therapy. But I'm really fucking glad you're here. We all are. Because we are not damaged, doomed, or dead yet. But if you're ready to start living a life that you actually want, you might be one of us. You might be a real traumatized motherfucker. My name is Jess, and I definitely am not you think We can't do a when you blink What's up, Motherfuckers? It's me, Jess. Uh, Coming at you hot talking about chaos today something that I think a lot of us know a thing or two about and a lot of us Probably don't understand the full impact of in our lives so I'm just gonna get started I Have been thinking a lot lately about the behaviors and relations between my mom and I well, why? Because she's basically the only human I've seen in months but also, because in the past 20 years, we haven't been able to stand each other for more than a few hours at a time. Normally, it devolves very quickly. But somehow, I've been in her house without any other social buffers for nearly three months. Uh, how the fuck has this situation been working out? I have made some interesting observations in the past month in particular there have been mild days where we were at each other's throats, and there have also been some rough patches that somehow culminated in our increased bonding. How odd, considering increased stress absolutely results in my increased dickheadedness on any normal day. But this morning, my wheels were turning as I thought about these developments. A correlative epiphany struck me while I was pacing around the yard with my puppy. Uh, What if this synergy that we've had together is all because of the influence of an unacknowledged process outside of both of ourselves? Why have we both been bonded together, working cohesively together in the past few months? Uh, Well, sure. Sure. We both have a better understanding of our own mental illnesses and how they interplay, that's a fact. And yes, we've also been working on talking more effectively and listening to each other, that makes a big difference. But ultimately, I think another big factor has been at play with our improved relationship. One word, chaos. Extreme external stress decreased internal stress so to be clear there has been tension between us during my prolonged visit things were definitely building at times we have had some disagreements and I have had some tears my mom doesn't show emotions outside of anger don't worry about it but we have definitely had some challenging times then in the midst of a smoldering I hate you mom teenage throwback streak last week we had a massive storm blow through the area like this huge thunderstorm with wind over 75 miles per hour pummeled the midwest spawned dozens of tornadoes and destroyed a lot of property apparently this phenomenon is called a derecho i've since learned uh fucking news to me But during this sudden weather outburst, we found ourselves running around the yard, working together and trying to secure anything that could become a flying projectile missile. We grabbed the two broken dogs and we got right down into the basement as the windows looked like the panes of glass on a vehicle mid-car wash. We hunkered down until the storm passed and of course we lost power. And then the fun really began. We spent the next two days without any electricity, air conditioning, or forms of entertainment. But living in the country on a well water system, this also meant we had no water for ourselves or the dozen animals on the farm. And when you're talking about eight horses in the middle of summer, um, it's kind of a big fucking problem to be without any running water. In this period of extreme upset and distress, uh, one would think that we would be squabbling more often and intensely. Let me be clear. Individually, when my mom and I get stressed, we both get passive-aggressive and snappy. I'm an asshole on my best days. Put me under pressure and I explode. She's a neurotic ball of energy. You upset her schedule and watch her spontaneously combust. So when these two high-vibration, bitchy energies interact, we normally get into knockout fights thanks to our agitations. We have always had a hard time in being each other's presence for this reason. But this time, in a state of emergency, instead of trying to rip each other's heads off as usual, we were completely peaceful, unified, supportive chilled the fuck out. We got through it together, and there weren't even raised voices or sighs of exasperation. Why? (laughs) Immediately, I was curious and analytical about the reduced stress responses and pro-social behaviors that instinctively took over. Something had involuntarily happened for both of us, and I was beyond intrigued. How were two neurotic nightmares capable of finding peace and banding together when the worst of the worst was taking place? When chaos is the norm. The thing is, my mom and I have both lived lives defined by chaos. We are used to things going awry. We are accustomed to unexpected events tearing apart all of our prior plans and good intentions. We have had the rugs pulled out from under us more often than feuding Looney Tunes. I truly don't think either of us knows what it's like to have peaceful, directed days. The thought of a relaxed, perfectly executed day actually makes me a little uncomfortable. What's coming next is my first response. I am more riled up than ever when good things are happening to me because surely the other shoe is about to drop. In truth, I feel more comfortable when there is chaos swirling all around me. At least then I can stop guessing what kind of clusterfuck is coming next. It's right in front of my face. I have things to work on. I have fires to put out. I can be distracted from my own brain emergencies and put my energy towards the upset that's dancing right before my eyes. This is why I end up working in poorly managed organizations. This is why I stick it out with roller coaster relationships. This is why I justify all sorts of dysfunctional living situations. This is why arguing with my mom feels as natural as breathing most of the time. I'm comfortable when everything is burning to the ground. When my emotions are being inked all over the place. When there is so much stimuli that I have to act with immediacy to reduce the internal discomfort, an excuse to dissociate for my own lazy avoidance. And this is a fairly common trauma response, I'm told. After decades of living in extreme entropy, well, you start to find comfort in the chaos. It's all that you know. It's what you inherently expect around every turn. So it's actually easier when there's validation for your expectations. I think everything is about to implode, whether or not that's true. When things do implode, my worrying was just positively reinforced by the occurrence of exactly what I anticipated. Great, now I can focus on the fuckery and my brain can stop daydreaming up worst case scenarios. When things don't implode, I never find that relief. My worrying pathways never quiet down. An invisible threat is always headed my way. For me, and for many others, unexpected entropic events are a bittersweet combination of frustrating negative occurrences and beautiful, self-pacifying validation. For trauma sufferers, chaos can be comfortable in daily living. Keep this sentiment in mind, we'll come back. Learned grounding. All talk of reliance on small, daily entropy reliance and anxiety aside, there's an interesting effect on my brain and body when something really goes wrong. Previously, I have spoken about my brain's learned response to calm down during during times of extreme unsettling. While other people are losing their heads, I feel a sense of peace and determination in crazy moments. It is an interesting mechanism that I assume can be traced back to my wildest experiences in life. A quote, benefit of living this traumatized life. When everything goes to hell, my brain goes somewhere else. So, half the time, on a completely normal day, I'm a ball of nervous, riled-up energy. I'm agitated and restless, unhappy no matter what I'm doing, and on pause as I wait for inevitable disaster to overtake my day. On the other hand, in a moment of acute stress and emergency, everything slows down to let me react with logic and purpose. My energy completely shifts towards what needs to happen and what can I do now, whereas the rest of my existence is generally plagued with questions like, what's coming next around the turn, and how will I ever survive the garbage headed my way tomorrow? Things go wrong. Other people freak out. Simultaneously, I'm usually catapulted into the peaceful eye of the storm. My calm energy effectively balances out the panicked response of anyone else who's present. My brain immediately starts ticking off checklists, taking stock of where we are and what we have to accomplish to rectify the situation. I start calling out directions. I act as the pack leader, anchoring everyone in what we know, what we should anticipate, and what we can functionally change in that moment. So during this sudden windstorm and subsequent power slash water outage, I think my mom and I both went into our calm leader mode. Determination and inner strength were drummed up. Personal dramas and interpersonal frustrations were dialed back. While we could have easily turned against each other in our anxieties and fears, instead we became one cooperative unit united against the external issues that we both faced. It's not a coincidence. Survival mechanisms at work. My hypothesis is that less energy is sent to the emotional center of our brains in times of extreme unsettlement. Normally, I spend a hell of a lot of energy here, prancing around my limbic system so I can drudge up old memories, get anxious about my future, and feel all sorts of ways about the things I've done to fuck my life but it's not all that important to be thinking about your fulfillment on this earth, 20 years of hurt feelings or your honey when you're facing an immediate threat. It only makes sense that more blood is shuttled toward the brainstem and later to the prefrontal cortex when a real danger is detected. First, get yourself safe with your primitive survival instincts. Choose your fight, flight, freeze, fawn response and jump into action. Later, use those brain juices to figure out what the fuck you need to accomplish with efficacy and accuracy so as not to waste precious energetic resources. In the moments that the dark, then vividly teal sky was quickly descending upon us from the west, we were shoved into action by our lizard brains, inciting physical response to gather our beloved dogs and dodge into the basement. Over the next several days, as we encountered immediate and undeniable emergencies, our logical centers for forming reasonable human thoughts were engaged, helping us to think critically about the challenges at hand and the paths of least resistance. There's no room for spending energy unwisely in an emergency. There's no reason for unnecessary mental processes to be draining the battery, and therefore, There's no extra power for those emotional, reactive parts of the brain that normally define my daily mental landscape to be running away with me. Anxiety dissipated, frustration deemed useless, worry already consumed by the situation at hand. And so we work together calmly and reasonably instead of battling ourselves and each other in the midst of a flaming dumpster fire larger conclusions the real chaotic epiphany so thinking about how this trauma brain is wired to use energy wisely in times of actual threats not just imagine neuroses is one thing it can be explained fairly easily on a physiological survival basis but for me The most interesting connection was drawing a line between world events and our ongoing positive relationship developments. I guess my real light bulb moment came the morning when I realized that my mom and I didn't just get along for those handful of difficult days following our storm emergency because of the chaos around us. Uh, I'll be motherfucked if that wasn't the force behind our relatively cooperative living for my entire three-month visit. I think we can all agree the world has been burning for a few months now. Specifically, the U.S. has been the epicenter of the highly flammable material. This year has been nothing but chaos, potential danger, and unrest. In the midst of this increasing global risk, I've been here, at my mom's house, safely watching the flaming bag of shit burn brightly from a distance. And oh boy, how we have been watching it. My mom is one of those people who constantly has the news on in the background. She is obsessed with all MSNBC news programs. She is an avid anti-Trumper. She is the person who posts endless political messages on Facebook for an audience of zero. Normally, I am the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Leave me out of it. I don't want to be more upset than I need to be. I really have enough to worry about in my own world, let alone the alternative universe that is Washington, DC. But during my stay at her house, uh, obviously this plunge into the daily news has been pretty unavoidable. If I'm not hearing her program droning in the background, She's literally interrupting my activities to tell me random, breaking political news, void of any context. We cannot have a conversation about the grass on God's green earth without a rapid, unwarranted return to unprovoked Trump outrage from my mom's lips. Her brain is always running through the reports of Rachel Maddow and every outspoken Democrat on Twitter regardless of appropriate timing or the other party's interest. It is, let's say, as informative as it is challenging. This morning, I realized two big things that have been vexing me. One, my mom and I have been able to live peacefully together, largely as a function of the chaotic world around us. There are real threats outside our door. We have banded together in a sort of tribal survival instinct to get through the larger emergency, rather than creating our own social stresses in the house. Two, my mom loves the news so much because it's another form of chaos in her life. For years, she has been obsessed with following all the political drama ranting about the doom headed our direction, and ruminating over the election four years ago. Never trying to make any changes or future plans to escape the risk. Why? It's been a new way to inject that comfortable chaos into her life. It gives her something to focus on, something to be outraged over, something to scratch the itchy part of her brain, the compartment that my dad, my brother, and poverty used to tickle. It's interesting for me to notice this dysfunctional adaptation in action. It really helps to solve some of the mysteries and frustrations between my mom and I. Why is she so disruptively concerned about the newsreel each day? So she has something to worry about. And why is she, has she been less up my butt with hot-headed demands? Like I said, because she has something to worry about. Why have I been less flighty and ready to get the fuck out of her presence in these times of unrest? Because in this environment, I've been forced to acknowledge that there is way bigger shit to worry about. If I leave here, I'll go back to Georgia, (laughs) where the COVID has been exploding for months. Far away from my friends and loved ones in a time of national catastrophe. Uh, hundreds of miles away from the one family member I still functionally have when either one of us could theoretically fall into dire illness on any given day. If she screams about the crumbs on the counter, fingerprints on the microwave buttons, or chairs left unscooted, that will accomplish driving her favorite vestibule for political ranting away pushing her only daughter into another decade of distant relations, uh, chopping off the helping hands that have been assisting with horse care, daily chores, and mental dissonance. Yeah. So I want to say that my mom and I have been able to spend this time together with relative interpersonal peace because of my own trauma journey dragging her mental health recovery along in its wake. I want to believe that we're both healing together and making lasting improvements in how we relate as human beings. I really want to confidently state that we've turned a new leaf in adult mother-daughter understanding. And yeah, I believe some of that is true. But I also have to acknowledge the role of chaos in our recent interactions. The threat outside our door has made us into less viable threats to each other in these four walls. Maybe I have a viral pandemic authoritarian leader and damaging Duracho to thank for my extended stay and enhanced relations with my mom, more so than our mutual trauma recoveries. But selfishly, I have to say, I'm glad that we've had this opportunity for our traumatized brains to stop creating our own interpersonal entropy so we can actually focus on the real threats at hand. Wrap up. Interesting times, yeah? Uh, Take the good with the bad, I suppose. <laughs> I wish that this mother daughter cohesion had been an effect on our relationship in early chaotic times when my family trauma served to turn us against each other and created enemies where allies could have existed. But I suppose the difference is due largely to proximity. Back then, the risk was inside of our home. The decisions that she made came with maternal guilt and shame on top of fear. The stimuli wasn't sequestered safely to a TV screen. And it serves to mention that I was probably an even bigger asshole with teenage hormones pumping through my veins than I am today. I'm just glad that at this point, at the age of 30, we have finally healed some aspects of our broken relationship. It's a shame that we've needed it to take place in the face of global upset, but I valued every day of this chaos-induced recovery. Let's see what happens next. If the world stops burning, some cynical part of me imagines our house will be set aflame again. But maybe that's just the inner chaos lover speaking. So what about you guys? What have you noticed about chaos in your life? Any chance you tend to live in subpar conditions with shitty relationships and workplaces and residences, creating all sorts of nonsense for you to deal with every day? And as much as you say that you hate it and you can't tolerate another instance of it occurring, uh, is that real? Or is there some part of you that secretly feels like life is right when life seems so wrong? I think this is something I have to continue to examine in myself because a lot of times the chaos is pretty sneaky. It doesn't really register as being within my control or something that I'm inviting. But ultimately, you're kind of making every decision for everything happening in your life. That's why I got out of my chaotic living situation, why I quit my really fucked up chaotic job that did nothing but cause complete nonsense for me, and why I have been cutting off a lot of relationships that just Our roller coaster experiences every day. It's not because it's what's easiest, and it's not because I confidently feel like I'm making the right move, but because I can notice how much this chaos is injected into my life and causes my brain to, well, overload and malfunction. If there's always a threat to watch out for, you can never really deal with the things that you could change. If you have anything to say on this topic, I would really love to hear it. So you know how to get a hold of me. Find me at Traumatized Motherfuckers on all the social medias. You can also go over to my website, t-mfrs.com or traumatizedmotherfuckers.com. There is There uh, is contact forms or email addresses that you can use to get a hold of me. You can also request to join the Discord community if you want to be surrounded by other chaotic motherfuckers like you. And I look forward to hearing anything you have to say. Later, fuckers. And I still believe that We're not that hopeless We're not as fucked as you think In troubling moments We can't do anything We're fucking jokers We're winning when you blink In troubling moments See with big job